This is the EVP Podcast. Come on, Ghosty. All right. Okay, now if that's all it is, then I'll intro your show if it really means that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, we're going. You ready? Dale Three. and Beaker. Is that what you like? Ghosty McGhostface. Ghosty McGhostface. <laughs> Beaker. Yep. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EVP podcast. This is Jeff here joining the show with uh, our two hosts for the day, Dale and Beaker. Two hosts for the day. What am I talking about? They're our regular hosts, but they invited me onto the podcast, and uh, here I am introing their own show, which is a little bit unusual. So we know you have the experience doing it because you and I used to host a different podcast we together, did. and so I know you know what the hell you're doing. Um, <laughs> except not for, really. It's it's fake it till you make it. Pretty much, that's what we do. Yeah. And you know uh, how much research we do before our podcast? I literally like look up a website right before I come over. <laughs> Right. And we're doing that usually as you show up, too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. On the fly. Oh, and uh, DVO is not here with us today because of his flare-up. Yeah, he's, a, he's a little girl tonight. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the herpes. He's they've... got the, well, yeah. It's, or is the, the herpes 20th, of the 20th, 20th, 20th day? Herpes of the toe. <laughs> herpes of the toe. Herpes of the toe. Just kidding, DVO. Let he's got the it. gout. <laughs> that's a rich man's <clears throat> disease. That's, yeah. from, that's from, like, eating... Well, if you've seen his mobile Decadent office. Decadent food. If you've seen this dude's mobile office, you know he's a rich man. Um, no, he, well, he's he's good with uh, he's good with finances. I know that for sure. And food. Yeah, and food. And food. <laughs> I love food. Food is good. Well, today we brought you on the show. So, uh, awesome. Well, I'm we happy to be here. We wanted you to share some of your stories. Some, some of, of your, my uh, stories. Some of your past events. What, what got you into the paranormal and... Uh, some of the the best events that you've experienced All right. in the paranormal. Well, uh, we'll just have kind of a random stream of consciousness uh, type of episode and see where it takes us. Well, that's, but that's pretty much what we do. Awesome. Yeah. Let's go cool. on a trip together. <laughs> here, take this, man. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> I mean, we've known you for years, seven years, seven, at least. I mean, it, it feels years. like yeah. I, I was thinking I mean, about it feels this the like other a day. Long time. And I was like, is it, has it been like five years? It's been longer than five it's, years. It's been almost seven. It's been seven years. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. I think uh, Peaches and I are Brandy. I'm, I like to be the first one to mention her in every episode. <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we started investigating at the end of 2014, I believe. And then we met you guys in June of 2015. Yeah. And I remember the, uh, the, the residential investigation where you guys first showed up, where, where I met you. And you were telling castle about the uh the dog that was in the backyard the ghost dog that was buried in the backyard but yeah so just quick introduction about myself uh my name is jeff my name is jeff uh I, you can call me lurch if you want to that's fine it's kind of a nickname that uh that was uh, given to me it was bestowed our, upon you bestowed upon me during well, our paranormal and, and, investigation and why days. was that though i used to work for a uh well I, I used to be a funeral director i was and and it's not Really, it's it's more more coincidental. It's not a morbid fascination with uh, the dead. I've I've always kind of been curious with uh, you know what happens after after people die. But um, I just serendipitous. I I worked as a uh, funeral director for about ten years. Where did you find that job? Um, you know, when I tell people about how I got into that, I usually tell them that it found me. Because I would have never thought as a kid growing up that, you know, I mean, no, no kid like gets the, the funeral director play set, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want to be a, I want to 
Bimbong bodies when I <laughs> that would be a little bit weird. But um, no. yeah, if they had those, I totally probably would have wanted yeah, one. Right, I would it's want like, one now. This is yeah. how we drain the body. Like. Lego build a casket and and crap like that. But no, uh, uh, so I, I I I lived an ordinary childhood. <laughs> I, I had an ordinary upbringing, uh, you know, my standard nuclear family and, and my parents divorced and, you know, all the normal stuff that most people my age went through. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, well, yeah, it's the, you know, mom, dad, and then 3.5 kids, you know, all living at home. And, you know, we grew up in the 80s, but uh, yeah, we lived a normal lifestyle, nothing, uh, nothing strange or unusual, but I waited tables for 14 years in fine dining and I absolutely hated waiting tables. And when I moved out uh, here, um, I, I, I told myself I'm ne- never putting on an, a- an apron again. And uh, so I, I applied at a few different jobs. And one of them happened to be for, <clears throat> excuse me, happened to swallow wrong there. Just like one of them happened to said. be, f- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of the jobs that I applied for happened to be for a, uh, a casket delivery, or not a casket delivery, but a, uh, a vault working in a cemetery, delivering the vault. And the vault is what goes in the ground first. When a grave is opened up, you put this casket, or uh, it's a grave liner. It's a concrete liner that the casket is placed into. It's lowered into, and then you put the top of the vault on and then close the grave. And what that basically does is it provides a structure on the ground because there's constantly heavy vehicles, you know, trucks and, and backhoes that are driving over the cemetery to open up other graves. So you have to have that vault to protect the casket otherwise you would have indentations in the ground so that's how i started doing it was i i worked for two years for a vault company and during that time i started uh, talking to funeral directors of the grave site and thought you know this is this is a really noble profession to get into these guys are are really you know respectful and and they're they're serious about what they do and and dedicated and and it seemed like a really really neat thing to get into and uh i i just coincidentally at the same time that I started applying towards a, uh, a mortuary science school, uh, a friend contacted me and there was a, uh, uh, an intern position available at a local funeral home, uh, about 30 minutes South of us in, uh, in Provo. And, uh, so I, I, everything just lined up. I, I got into the mortuary science degree. I got into the mortuary science program, got the degree as a, a two year, uh, associate's degree, and uh, I, I went through my, my internship, left there, went to another funeral home, worked, worked there for about four or five years. They laid me off, went to another. You have to funeral. intern to be yeah. a, wow. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you go through internships where you're, you're under a, uh, it's a mentorship where a licensed funeral director has to supervise you for a certain number of embalmings, a certain number of hours, and they sign it off. And yeah, you have to do labs to get certified along with the, uh, uh, all the book learning and stuff, you know, learning about the history of funeral directing, learning all about like uh, products and marketing and, and law, a lot of law, um, what you can do legally, what you can't do legally. Uh, one of the big things that I encountered whenever I was a funeral director was people would come in and they would try to take control of the situation. And it's like, I understand that you're upset. I understand that you're grieving. I understand that, you know, you were very close to this person, but legally, the next of kin, you know, might be their spouse or someone else. This person is the one that's making all the decisions. So I'm, I, I appreciate your input, but 
we're going to leave it up to this person to, to make the decisions instead. And that was, that was something that was really difficult because a lot of times there'd be family dynamics where, you know, the, the stepmom or something didn't get along with the rest of the family or there was a divorce or there was a separation in the family. And, and, you know, I can't get involved in stuff like that. And that was, that was always a very touchy thing trying to arrange a, a service for someone and you can't get involved in the family dynamics, but yeah, I did that for about 10 years. I did everything uh, in the industry. I mean, I, I say that I started from the ground up because I delivered you know, the <laughs> vaults for, for two years or so before I got into uh, funeral directing. But I did everything. I would uh, I would go and, and pick up the deceased in the middle of the night sometimes at a, at a hospital, at a funeral home, or at, not a funeral home, a, a, a retirement home or, or at a residence. And you, you show up, you know, it's 2 a.m. and you're still dressed in a suit with a tie and a white shirt and, and just a very, you know, professional appearance because basically you're, you're picking up a human body. You know, this is, this is mom, this is grandma that we've been taking care of in our home for the last eight months, you know, watching her slowly pass away. And now that she's gone, we're trusting that you're going to take her into your care and take good care of her. So even at, at 2 a.m., you have to you know, show the, the appearance of being very professional. So we would go pick people up, uh, bring them back to the funeral home, sometimes embalm in the middle of the night. Um, Did you ever think back on this now and think that these spirits were watching you do oh, this? Oh, absolutely. And go like, what the hell are you absolutely. doing? Absolutely. <laughs> no, there were, there were several times and, and I'm not, and this is even before I even got involved with, uh, our paranormal group beaker. Um, you know, I, I would have times where I would be embalming and I would, I, I'm not a very sensitive person, but it's like, I would be like, I know, I know there's someone in this room that's watching me. And so, and, and it's this person here on the table. So I, and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it too, because I remember several instances where I, I thought, I know that this person is standing right here and they're watching me embalm their body. So I want to treat them with respect and I wouldn't want to do anything disrespectful to them so yeah that's something that's that's always going through your head whenever you're is there one of those that like kind of stood out more than the others uh not that i can think of this as standing out i remember one time being at i don't want to mention the funeral home but i remember it was i think it was in the middle of the night and i had just picked up the gentleman i don't remember specifically who it was but i just remember picking someone up having them on the table and you know i there was like a tv there was like a, a radio. You could play music. You could put on a movie and, and embalm at the same time. And I remember, I don't remember if I had a movie on or not, or if I was listening to some music, but I remember at one point just kind of stopping and, and feeling like he's in this room, he's in here somewhere and he's watching me. And I, I don't remember exactly what I did, but I, I remember thinking just, just be respectful of, of his body. So that's, 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 that's the only real time that stands out in my mind, but. Um, I remember a couple times uh, uh, making removals and, and the family, it's like you walk in and it's like you can almost feel the spiritual presence, you know, because, you know, maybe they're religious, maybe, you know, I, I don't know, but just you, you, it's, it's, it's different with every family. Um, a lot of families that I, I dealt with too, you know, living here in Utah, we have uh, a predominant religion and uh, occasionally we would get families that were agnostic or atheist and uh that was that was interesting because 
it was almost like night and day experiences. You'd have these, you know, uh, families that, that had this understanding of, of what happens with, you know, your body after you, you pass away and they have this kind of peace about it and they're still grieving. They're still upset to say goodbye to their, their loved one, but they have this understanding that, you know, mom, dad, they're in a better place right now. And then on the other hand, you have people that don't have that understanding and they come in and it's just, it's a, a completely different feeling. Like this is the end. We're never seeing them again say goodbye, you know, moaning and wailing and so much more grief. And it's like, it's not really my place to, to preach to them and to counsel them, but it's like, I want to do so much to just kind of console them. And that was tough too. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of times too, and I, I'm sorry if I'm just rambling on about my experience as a funeral director too, but a lot of times, you know, the, the elderly, that would be a very nice thing to have someone that's been in pain for a while pass and to feel like, you know, mom's been suffering. She's had Alzheimer's for the last eight years and, and she's been in pain and it's almost a, a relief to see them go. But on the other hand, I remember the, the things that were really difficult too were the, uh, the suicides, um, especially like the teenage suicides or uh, child uh, accidental death. I remember a couple times children, uh, accidentally dying. One kid uh, died on a skateboard getting hit by a car. Later on that night, a- after his funeral service, later on that night, I'm driving into my neighborhood, and of course, a lot of the kids in our neighborhood are kind of playing in the street and playing chicken with my car. And so <laughs> I got out of the car, and I, I gave them a piece of my mind. I was like, I, I just got done coming from a funeral service where I buried one of buried a kid your age from you know skateboarding in the street and he died and man the look on their face was like oh crap yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry man sorry sorry mister we'll we'll get out of the street now but yeah those were really tough days too the uh the the child deaths the teenage deaths the suicides uh kids killing themselves for no reason at all you know like 14 years old and a girl says she doesn't want to have you be her boyfriend anymore so you know, I'm going to go hang myself with the uh, extension cord in the, the garage. And that's, that's sad. That's, that's sad to see. And then also the children too. At the time I had, uh, my, my kids were really young. They're still young now, but, um, we would have infant uh, cases and those were really tough because I would see my kids, you know, and, and try to put myself in the place of the parents about how difficult that must be to have to deal with, you know, a small child of maybe it was a, a stillbirth or maybe the child was two, three, four, five years old. And, and there's some accident, uh, accidental death. And, and those are really, really tough too, but you, you just do what you can. And, and I remember saying several times, I wish I had a magic wand that I could just wave and make things better that that could just make you feel better. And it's just something everyone has to go through on their own. So what from that point got you into the paranormal? Then? Oh yeah, so uh... <laughs> holy shit, man, dude, I'm sorry, and that's the end of the episode. We're out of time. It's been 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the funeral director show. Well, no, I mean that's all that's all interesting stuff, and I'm sure it's stuff people want to hear. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Of course, people are here. <laughs> I mean, I'm well, I mean, well, I'm just the the experiences of being a funeral director. It's not every day that you run into someone that's like, yeah, I used to be a funeral director, and this is how it was. Like, the, I think people appreciate the kind of and have the understanding, and respect of what it is that you did as a as a 
director. In in hindsight, you kind of see how the web kind of came together. You don't see it as you're going through that experience, but in hindsight, you kind of see it. Because as a kid, I was always really interested in like the paranormal. I I loved, uh, you know, I, we lived in the woods in in Washington State, and our backyard was like ten acres of of thick pine woods and. And when my parents weren't home, I would, I would think like Bigfoot's out there <laughs> or aliens, you know, I'm going to see a UFO come out of the sky at any moment. And Speaking I was thinking of that. Did you have like wide open skies over there with like clear skies, like a million stars? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you ever watch the sky at night? Oh, absolutely. Did you see yeah. any weird shit? I didn't, I did not, but my dad did. And we'll come back to that All in right. just a second. So. <laughs> That's another story here. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember as a kid just always being fascinated with paranormal. And I remember going to uh, like thrift stores with my mom, you know, when we'd be on road trips and she'd pop into an antique store and I'd see a book on, you know, Bigfoot or ghost stories or something. I'd be like, oh, I got to have that. It's, you know, a dime, five cents. So it's like I, I grew up, you know, reading little paperbacks about stuff like that. I was always fascinated in that. And uh, I, as I one day when I came home from work, when I was working as a funeral director, uh, we had cable at the time. We don't anymore because, you know, all streaming services and all that. But uh, I, I came home and I was flipping through the channels on cable. And I think Ghost Adventures came on. And I paused it for a second just to watch. And I was like, that's really cool how they're using scientific equipment. They're using things that can, like, gauge and measure and test stuff that to had actually been, get readings and, and stuff like that. That had to have been Ghost Hunters because Ghost Adventures yeah. is like, Aaron, go down there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a uh, demon at the end of the hallway. I want you to go down there. I'm going to stand here in this doorway and examine the doorway. <laughs> I'm going to stand outside and just get some uh, EVP recordings from uh, from the safety of the van. But I uh, know Zach. <laughs> but yeah, I remember just uh, pausing on that show and just uh, it, it just kind of hit me. Like this is really cool because they're they're ghost hunting, which is something I I remember hearing a little bit about. You know, people going ghost hunting on the the radio. Chunga had a radio show. One of the local DJs had a radio show, and they would have like Halloween episode of of ghost hunting and stuff. And then it was just kind of a you know perfect storm where everything came together. Where I was working as funeral director, and a paranormal TV show comes on, and paranormal broadcast, and hearing about ghost hunting and stuff, and and got a phone call from one of the former members of our, our group actually they're, they're, they're still running the group but uh spoke to her on the phone for probably like two hours and my main concern was you know if i if i go on a ghost hunt with you guys i don't want anything following me back home so we went to uh, uh we went to asylum 49 here in uh in utah and uh like the first the first ghost hunt that i'm on within like the first 15 minutes i hear this audible evp you know, with my own ear, it's something we didn't have to, you know, play back and record. It's like, so right then, you know, day one, first investigation, I was hooked. And, uh, it was, it was almost like, you know, a, a rush, you know, when you'd go out and just the, the thrill of kind of being in the dark and, and, uh, you know, having your recorder and, and hoping that there's something else there and, you know, hoping that, you know, when you get home and you listen to the, the evidence that you've gathered, that you'll, you'll get some solid EVPs, uh, some really good class A or B EVPs that you can really hear uh, an intelligent response and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I was hooked from day one. 
Um, but like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't a morbid curiosity. It wasn't because I was a funeral director that I got into it. It's something that I grew up always kind of fascinated in. And I happened to be a funeral director at the time. And then I just, I got involved in the paranormal, but I always tried to keep the two separate. Um, do you have any weird stories from being a funeral director? Weird stories from being a funeral director. Gosh. Did you experience anything paranormal up until you started ghost hunting? Let's see. I, I can't think of anything off the, the top of my head. So I, I do know that um, after you started investigating, after we joined the team, you did have uh, at least one spirit follow you home. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that, that actually was when I was a funeral director, too. Uh, I remember we were all on an investigation together. Brandy was with us that time, Peaches. And uh, we were investigating a, a home of a, a police officer that was a murder-suicide in a, in a city south of here. And uh, he was a former police officer. He killed his his family, his children, oh, his, yeah. his wife, his mother-in-law, what? and then killed, killed himself. The killed the kids. And the two kids, uh, the son and daughters, his wife and his yep. mother-in-law. And the family had moved out, and so we got the chance to investigate that night. And I remember that night, Brandy had told me that there's... Uh, there were, I think, seven spirits that had followed me home, or nine spirits or something like that, something crazy. And so uh, um, her attachment, Annie, uh, her, her grandmother that's, that's deceased, that, that's with Brandy, she uh, spoke to all of them and, and asked them to you know, just kindly leave. And they were just spirits that had followed me home from the funeral, uh, from the funeral home. And uh, they weren't malevolent or anything. But knowing that they were there, kind of creeped me out a little bit like you know the house is a little bit too crowded right now with three <laughs> kids two adults and nine spirits or whatever walking around so uh so annie had asked them Using to leave all the energy in the house and uh and one of them stayed behind and i remember that night she described him to me she had no idea who it was but she said there's there's one other kid there and he's about 20 he's got about shoulder length dreadlocks blonde dreadlocks and it's like that was a case that I was working on right then. It was a, a young man that had died on uh, his Harley making a left-hand turn and got hit by a, a semi-truck. And so, yeah, and we were having uh, – I mean, I, I really connected with that family too. I remember I, I suggested, you know, let's let's make something meaningful. Let's do something other than a cookie-cutter type service. You know, you guys have mentioned all the stuff that he was into playing the guitar and, and riding his bike and into art and music and, and all this stuff. And it's like, let's, let's put some of this stuff out and really kind of tell a story about who he was. And the family was just like, yeah, that sounds awesome. So I think because I had such a meaningful connection with the family and what they described of him to me, he seemed like a really cool kid. Someone that I would have, you know, probably hung out with in, in, in life. And so it makes sense that he followed me home. And I remember one point showing Brandy a, uh, a photo that I had taken and it was Christmas morning and the kids were sitting around the Christmas tree. My wife was sitting in the chair and I was standing up and I took a photo and in the corner you can see an orb. And again, she described the same kids. Yeah. It's a shoulder length dreadlocks. So he hung around for a few days and just wanted to be uh, a part of my family. And, and I was totally cool with that. And, and, uh, so that, that, that didn't bother me at all. Uh, but he's moved on since then. Um, I've had some weird experiences in my home as well. Uh, just recently my, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share. Um, it's just, it's kind of weird with, uh, uh, family dynamics. Uh, my, my parents divorced when I was young and, uh, when I was about 14, no, I was about 12 or 14 years old. And, uh, my dad, he remarried and, and we kind of fell apart. We had a little bit of a, a falling out years ago and, and, uh, never really reconnected. And then, uh, a few years later, he, uh, he disowned me, which, uh, which still kind of hurts, but I've, I've, I feel like I've moved past that, but he died, uh, December 13th of 2020 out in Tennessee. And, uh, um, I, I hadn't, I hadn't spoken to him at all in, in a couple of years. And I found out that he wanted to have his body shipped out here to Utah to a cemetery in, uh, it's, uh, Springville where his uncle is buried. And, and the two of them used to go fishing all the time. And, and then there's also some, uh, I think it's his grandparents on his mother's side are buried there as well. But anyway, so he, he had his body shipped from Tennessee to Utah to be buried in a local cemetery. And at one point I remember I was downstairs drawing, working and, and I'll talk a little more about that too, but I was, I was working at downstairs drawing and I kept seeing like little flashes of gray out of the corner of my eye. And I wear, uh, I, I wear noise canceling headphones and listen to music while I'm working downstairs. Uh, and, and so sometimes my kids will walk up to me and I won't even know that they're there until, you know, they're standing right there next to me. So I kept thinking in this, in my subconscious, like, oh, my kids are walking up or my dog's walking up to me or my wife's walking up to me. And every time I'd, I'd see that little flash, I'd look over and nothing would be there. And that happened for about two or three days, a couple times an hour. And, uh, at one point I, I, I felt like th- there's someone here and I, I called Brandy and I asked if, if Annie had been here and she said, no, she hadn't. And I found out that it was actually my, my deceased dad that, uh, that had disowned me. And, uh, it was weird because I didn't, I, I couldn't see him, but I knew that he was there and I, I could, I could converse with him. And the information that I was getting from Annie was like spot on accurate. And I'm like, I'm texting Brandy and she's conversing with Annie. Who's jumping back and forth between my home and her home reporting. So (laughs) she's talking to my dad. Who's then talking to, to, to Brandy. Who's then texting me. And then I'm talking to my dad and it was just, it was weird because he's still, he's still angry at me about what happened when, when he disowned me. Um, I just, I stopped answering his letters. He, he would write me nasty letters saying that I'm a terrible son and sign it love dad. So I stopped answering his letters and that's why he disowned me. So it's a stupid, ridiculous reason I know. Right. But so yeah, he's still kind of stuck in that mindset and it was just a weird conversation, but that was, that's, that's a very recent paranormal experience that I've had. And, uh, it's, it's, it kind of shook me for a few days because it's, it's close and personal, but, uh, yeah. So I'm going to kind of jump around with some of the experiences I had. We did have our episode recently on the Family Tree Restaurant. Uh-huh. And we talked briefly about your experience when you went into the basement and said, Lucy, I'm home. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went down to the, the Family Tree Restaurant, I've had a lot of really good experiences at the Family Tree. Uh, but yeah, I remember one time we did a, a podcast episode. Is this what you're referring to? The yeah. podcast episode when, yeah, it was, I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm not going to tell people what podcast <laughs> to go listen to, but, um, this is while we were recording this yeah. happened 
And uh, I, I wanted people to hear it straight from you because you're yeah. the one that experienced. Yeah, yeah. And that 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 shook me too. That shook me hard that <laughs> night. And I tried not to let it bother me too much. But yeah, we were at the family tree. We were doing our podcast, and uh, we were talking about Lucy, one of the uh, demonic negative entities that resides in the basement of of the family tree. And we're literally right above where she, you know, establishes herself at the the door of this portal. And so we're talking about her and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go downstairs and just kind of push her buttons a little bit. You know, this is fun. I, I like to taunt a little bit. So I go downstairs and, uh, I, Oh, one of the, I think one of the, uh, one of the workers there, one of the employees was talking about how Lucy was throwing pebbles recently at people. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to test this out for myself. So I went downstairs and I'm like, Hey Lucy, you want to throw rocks at someone? Go ahead and throw a rock. at me!" And almost instantly, over, I think it was over my left shoulder. I hear a little pebble hit the wall behind me, and I'm just like, "Oh shit, I'm out!" So <laughs> I, I scurried my tail back upstairs. I I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I've Keep got, in mind, he was the only one in the basement. There was nobody no down one else, there with him. No one else down there. I walked down the steps. I literally stood at the bottom of the stairs. I I I looked into the darkness there where Lucy was, and I was like, "Hey, you want to throw rocks at someone? Go ahead and throw a rock at me." And almost instantly. It was, you could hear the the little pebble hitting the wall over my shoulder. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm out. And and I remember sitting upstairs and trying not to let it bother me. But it's like, you guys could visually see how shaken I was. And it, it, it really I've, did I've shake I've only my... seen you that shaken, I think, like two other times. One, Fort Douglas. Yes, and, and I was going to mention that too. And once at Benson Gristmill. Benson Gristmill, I don't... That wasn't... You weren't too shaken, but it was it was a weird experience. It was definitely a weird experience. So, uh, Fort Douglas, yeah, there was, a, there was a time when we were doing a, a ghost hunt, and you were there right behind me. Well, this is one of the... So, we used to work with a, a gentleman... pointing the, at Brandon. Yeah, pointing at Brandon. Pointing <laughs> the people that... The, for the people because that, she, uh, she confirmed what happened, what, <laughs> what I suspected, but I turned and looked at her, and... It, it all it took was her look and just like a slight head nod. See, and I was, and I was I like, yeah, I, I think I was standing near, or I, I might've been somewhere else, but I know you were down in what they used to call the Navy room. Yeah. It was the Navy room and Chunga had a group of, I don't know, about eight or 10 people down there. They were on this investigation. He had the spirit box going on the spirit box. If you're not familiar with it, it's a little device that scans through the radio frequencies, like several, several frequencies per second. And in between the white noise, spirits are able to manipulate that to speak through the frequencies and answer. And you can, you know, you can hear an immediate response. So he was using the spirit box and you could hear all the frequencies scanning and all the white noise. And you were hearing multiple voices saying the same thing. I'm a demon. I'm a demon. I'm a demon over and over. And I was at the time I was teaching myself Latin. So I asked it in Latin, are you evil? And in Latin, the response back was, I am evil. And I was like, oh, crap. So I, I, I pointed that to everyone. I was like, you know, I just said, are you evil? And I just said, yeah, I'm, I'm evil. So, yeah, that, that kind of reeled us. And, and the whole time, too, I'm a demon coming through. I'm a demon. I'm a demon. And at one point, my buddy had his recorder just, like, set up in the room. So I kind of bend over. And uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm kind of acting it out in my body language. And I'll try not to stay in front of the mic, but I'm bending over. I'm like leaning into the mic, and I'm like whispering, you know, hey, you know, saying sexy stuff or whatever <laughs> for him to listen to <laughs> on the recordings. And I feel I keep a, a knife in my back pocket, and as I'm bending over, my knife gets pulled out of my back pocket 
and it lands about, I don't know, three, four feet behind me. And I turn around and as I'm turning to my right, Brandy is standing there and I look at my knife, I look at her and I'm like, is that what I think it was? And she's just like, yeah, nodding her head. <laughs> oh, crap. So the rest of the night I had this demon following me. So <laughs> yeah, that, that really kind of shook me up and I, I try not to let it bother me, but just knowing that it was feeding off that fear and I was trying my hardest not to show that I was afraid, but it was still, I was still just trying my hardest. I mean, that was, that was, that was tough. That, that shook me up that night too. Uh, you also mentioned another experience with, uh, I believe it was a spirit named Charles. Oh yeah. Charles at, uh, Benson Gristmill. Benson Gristmill. Yeah. That was another cool time. Uh, so yeah, Benson Gristmill, it's a local place where we've gone investigating and, uh, it, it dates back to like the, the pioneer days here in Utah where they would grind the, the, the meal, uh, you know, cornmeal or whatever. And, uh, I guess a couple of workers had, had died, um, in that location. And, and there's a couple of spirits there. There's, I mean, a lot of them are, are pretty much nice. There's one or two benevolent ones in certain areas, but they kind of stay in that area. But yeah, um, a, a spirit by the name of Charles had died there at the grist mill and he was following me that entire night. And I remember I had my K2 meter with me, the K2 meter, it measures the electromagnetic, uh, energy that spirits put off, which is, is a sign of, you know, activity of, of them being present. So the whole night, my K2 meter is just spiking and I'm walking around and, and it's spiking. And I'm just like, I can't figure out why this is going this way. And I, I switched it with, with you. Yeah. You came and over and showed me like, yeah. your K2 was like, uh, it wasn't quite red. It was the dot, like right below. Yep, red. It was like so yellow. It was or almost orange. all the way up. Yep. And you, you seemed to, a little rattled, but not like too. You were just kind of. Concerned. I was just like, "Why is this not? You know, why does it keep? Why, why, why won't it, why won't like, it stop? Just make think, it stop." I think it started while you were on. You were, I think, you were at the main barn. Yeah, and I was completely on the other side of the grounds. Like yeah. I was on the opposite end of the the grounds there, and uh, I had the idea. I'm like, "Well, switch me K twos." Yeah. So and, I mean, everywhere I walked, I was getting. K2 spikes the whole time. So we switched K2s and almost immediately like mine that I handed off to you died and yours that you handed to me, which hadn't been active starts going crazy like mine. And I'm walking around and the same thing. And you're standing there right next to me and there's nothing. And it's, it, it turned out, you know, I think, uh, I think Brandy showed up the second night that we were there and she explained what was going on is that I apparently looked like someone that Charles knew that may have also died at the grist mill. And so he was just following me and that's all just a, you know, curious little guy, but yeah, it was pretty cool experience though. Um, I wouldn't say that really shook me up, but I wasn't, I wasn't unnerved by it. I wasn't scared by it, but it was definitely an unusual experience to have the K2 meter just, you know, spike every time you're walking around. And it's like, sometimes we'd be in the middle of like a field, a grassy area there's there's nothing around that I can see, no buried cables or anything. It's like the K2s are still going crazy. And I know some people might say, like, there's a lot of ambient EMF at Benson Grist Mill. There mm-hmm. are certain areas where you can be out in the field and the K2 will be going off. But if, in that situation, you can both of the them, both of the, well, you can follow. Yeah, but, but the fact is that we had two K2s. Yeah. And if it was the ambient EMF, they both would be going off. But like you said, it was just the one you were holding. Yeah, just the one that I was holding. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely a weird time. Um, oh shoot. I'm trying to think of what other experiences really stand out in my mind. I feel like we're just, you know, 
sitting around a campfire telling ghost <laughs> stories and you know, I mean, what, what you and I have been on so many investigations together. Have. We did needful things together. We have. We did for my birthday one year. We went to Asylum Forty Nine together. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Benson Chris Mill, just the two of us together. Like we went to a chunga hunt, but we separated from everybody else. Um, now, have I mean, you ever shared your experience at the Zion Bank Building? I, I have. Okay. I, yeah, I think I did that on our first episode. Okay, because that's um, that stands out to me as one of the most. I know meaningful um, experiences, personal experiences that I know that you've had. Yeah. And I still remember like after it was over, people were talking about like there was a dead bird in the basement and I was just like, nobody got a picture of it. Like I, after everything I did, that happened. I did. And oh, I don't know I, where it is. I'm sure I've got it saved somewhere. So I think I had it on my old phone. I I'll, I'll email it to you if I can find it tonight. Um, we've been to, uh, you actually were the driver when we went to the Rollins State Penitentiary and to oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Stanley Hotel. That's right. Yeah, we went to the the State Penitentiary, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I wish we had been able to spend the night there. That would have been a blast. For us, not so much for Brandy. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, well, I would we have, had both of the Brandys. I would have rolled out a sleeping bag. I would have set up my, my recorder. I would have, you know, put out, like, little trigger you know, mechanisms, little, little things for spirits to interact with. And I would just lay, I probably wouldn't have slept a whole lot, but I would just laid there like listening in the dark. And, and that's exciting sometimes, yeah. you know, cause you can hear stuff. You can hear audible EVP sometimes. And that's, that's really cool when that happens. Um, so I can think of like a couple residentials that stand out that we did together. The one was, uh, there was a guy that we oh, used to gosh. work with. Are um, you going to talk about Tuola? Uh, yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, so we did the toilet investigation and, and hands down, like the, the four of us that were there, it was the guy that used to run the team that we were on. And then one of the other investigators, we all went out to this house in Tooele. And, uh, I, I think the four of us agree that it's probably the scariest residential investigation that we've yeah. ever been well, on. Brandy wasn't there. No. And it was actually, I, I kind of, I, I think that it was a trap. I think so too. I think it was a trap um, to set Brandy up and there would have been a murder suicide that night. I, you know, I honestly, after, I, I after we left, I, that, I kept checking the news for like a week afterwards waiting for And I, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know the name of the individual or the name of the family. We probably have it in our records. You could probably I know his it. first name. I, that's all I know. Dude, I, yeah, for the longest time, I thought that was going to be like a murder-suicide. So I'm not sure if you've shared that story before. Not on this podcast. Okay. So uh, in the uh, in the investigation group that Beaker and I used to, to work in, uh, and, and you used to be part of it too. Um, I don't think you were there that night. It was uh, it was Beaker and me. Well, that was before my time. And uh, uh, it was Mark and Castle. And Castle. Yeah. So the four of us were there, and Brandy did not come with us that time. But I feel like, in hindsight, that was that was a. An I want to say, fortunately, she was sick and couldn't make yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, so, it was unfortunate that she was sick, but at the same time, I think it was a it was a good thing. She also told me she told me a couple times where her. Her spirit guides had actually told her it was not an investigation for her to be on. Yeah. So I, I love I love telling this story and it's there's a lot of layers to it. Um so I apologize in advance if I get a little long winded, but this is this is probably one of the the most extreme cases I've ever been on. And I it wasn't because of what was paranormal that was there, it was because of the the homeowner. The individual. The individual and how oppressed he was from from the activities that he'd been doing with playing with Ouija boards and are, are we still good on time 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I just want to make sure that I'm not rambling too long. And you're like, shit, we should have muted his mic half an hour ago. But <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so anyways, well, I think it took us like 10 minutes of bullshitting before we okay. actually started going. So yeah. okay, cool. we're, we're really only like 40 minutes. Oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> so we, we had responded to a, uh, a family request to come and investigate their, their residence in Tooele. And it was in the middle of winter a couple of years ago. And so we show up and uh, sit down with the family and they start initially start telling us about all of the, the laundry list of problems that they're experiencing with disembodied voices, with uh, foul odors, with cold spots, with doors and cupboards opening and closing with all kinds of activity. So the one thing that stuck, stands out in my mind that I remember that they said they experienced was the, um, the hoof prints yes. that walked up to the back yes. window, but it was only, it wasn't like four, yeah. like an, like an actual, like four legged animal. It was like two legs. It was like bipedal yeah. uh, footprints that walked up to a window, but there was no footprints leaving away. Yeah. The, uh, the, the young man that the, the father, the husband, he was probably in his mid twenties, his wife about the same age. And then they had maybe a two year old little girl and he was a hunter. And he talked about how he had been awoken in the middle of the night to hearing taps on his window and when he got up and he looked out the window, there was nothing there. So he stepped outside and it would, it just snowed. But he, as a hunter, he could tell that it was a cloven hoofed uh, shape of, of track, but it wasn't four. It wasn't, you know, quadrupedal is bipedal. It stood on its hind legs and had these cloven hoofs that walked up to his window in the snow and from there disappeared. So he, you know, he's telling this stuff when we when we first show up about all this stuff, and it's all it's all uh, you know climaxing at three a.m. three fifteen in the morning, which is you know the the witching hour. It's it's the the mocking of the Trinity, and so you know it's like all this stuff he's telling. It's like it has just casebook example of you know paranormal oppression with negative entities where you know he he admitted to having played with Ouija boards at that time. He said that he wasn't, but we found investig uh, we found. Um, evidence later on in the investigation that he actually had been playing with Ouija boards. And I think he came clean. Uh, no, that I, night. He, I think he'd said that he had played with them, but he stopped. Yeah. Which I think we determined um, to one, be a lie. One of the things that peaches can do is actually trace our energy back to the places we've investigated Yeah, and can tell us more about what actually happened. And she, she had told me that, Oh uh, yeah, he he was lying. He used almost on a daily basis. He was yeah. using the Ouija board. Yeah, so he was using Ouija boards and he was contacting these spirits and something that he had been doing since a young age. And so uh, myself and and Castle, one of the other investigators there, we we start. Um, we're like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna first give you a blessing, um, and then we're gonna start to clean your home. And so we're 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 placing our hands on his head to to give him a, a blessing. And he's sitting there with a bowl in his lap and he's, he's like dry heaving as we have our hands on his head. And it, it's like, it's violent dry heaving. So when we stop uh, or, or conclude, he, he turns around and he kind of looks at us and he says, you know, I have this medical condition and it's a, it's an actual condition. I've looked it up and I forget what the term is, but he can't actually visualize anything in his mind's eye. Like he's, he's unable to visualize that. But he said, when when you were giving me this blessing, I was able to see see this image in my mind where I took a knife and I slit both of your throats. And so me and Castle, we kind of look at each other and we're like, okay. So <laughs> he's having these images of cutting our throats and he has a medical condition where he's unable to see things, but he can see this really clearly of, of him killing us. Oh, see, that was... That was- 
probably one of the that very unnerving one, things. One of the very unnerving I mean, there was things. the loaded firearm. Yeah. We made sure that someone was standing between yeah. him and his bedroom yeah. the entire time. And I'm, I'm getting to that, too. Um, it's, it's a slow buildup. It's a slow, yeah, slow I mean, burn, there's, Tim. There's so much that happened. <laughs> there's so that much that happened. So... So we give him the blessing and, and he's even like afterwards, he's telling us the stuff and he goes to give his wife a hug and she's just like backing yeah, off. No, like, she, don't touch she me. shrugged him yeah, and like swatted his arm away. She like, totally backed off and she's like, I don't feel comfortable with I, she, she didn't she wanted, say it, but that's what she you said. Could, with the you body could read language. the body language. She wanted yeah. nothing to do with him. Even so, after the blessing, we're just like, okay. Yep. So we're we're explaining what we're gonna do with kind of a Native American you know, mix of stuff where we're going to start, you know, salting around the baseboards and the windows and all the entrances and exits of your home to kind of seal it off and leave the front door open. See, and while you guys were starting this, he went outside to smoke. Yes. Yeah. And I was a little concerned, like, hoping See, he and didn't I never heard a- it from your perspective, too, because you came in. And and we had just barely started with the cleansing, with burning the sage well, was the ringing and ringing the, the bell. bell. And you came in and you said, he's outside in the fetal position. Covering his ears, screaming yeah. in pain. Screaming in as pain. As soon as you started ringing the bell. And, and, and the whole theory I'm behind the bell. I'm just getting chills talking about it. I know, same here, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting goose pimples. But yeah, the whole theory behind that is that the bell is an unpleasant noise for negative spirits to hear. So what you're doing is you're starting at the back of the house and you're pushing all of that negative energy towards the front door. And as you're going, you're sealing off those rooms. So it's, it's kind of just forcing all of that negative energy out the door and then you close it. So we're ringing bells to kind of push everything out of that room. And that's when Beaker comes in. And he's like, yeah, yeah dude's I, out front. And he's in I the literally, I think I just opened the front door and I'm like, yeah. guys, I need help. Yeah. So we go outside and I see him in the fetal position and his eyes are like wide, like he's, he's afraid. And so he gets into his truck and just kind of sits there to chill out. And we're like, okay, he's, uh, he just needs some quiet time. That's cool. And, uh, now what I failed to mention too, is that I had a concealed carry permit. And at that time I normally don't, but I, that night I had brought my, my handgun, uh, Glock 19 with me concealed, uh, underneath my, my, my pants underneath my shirt. So I had that with me. I had my firearm on me and, uh, I was, I was starting to get legitimately concerned. Cause as you said, he was a hunter. He had firearms in the corner of his bedroom. We don't know if they had a round in the chamber. Uh, they weren't locked up. They weren't in cases. They or weren't anything. in they cases. Were just open leaning yeah. against the wall, leaning against the wall. We, I, I don't know if what he, he, he could have grabbed one of those and just started taking us all out. So after this happened, he comes back in, he's really rattled and we're like, dude, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I just need to, he just sit down for a second. So he sits down and we get him a bottle of water. And, uh, again, like I said, I had just been starting to teach myself Latin at that time. So he's sitting and I'm talking to him and he's like, yeah, man, I, uh, I, I need to use the bathroom. Um, I, I keep hearing stuff in my head. Um, but I, I need to go use the bathroom first. So I'm like, yeah, go. It's your house, man. Go use the bathroom. So he goes in the bathroom and, and you pull me aside and you're like, dude, you need to watch him. Well, I even asked you, yeah. I'm like, I, I, well, cause the, uh, castle is, he's a, a police officer. Yeah. So I'm just like, are one of you guys carrying right yeah. now? And I, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, dude, you need to keep an eye on him. And I'm, I'm like, yes, I know I do. So he comes out of the bathroom and he's still kind of like in a daze, stumbling a little bit. And he walks across the hallway into his bedroom and I'm thinking, oh shit, this is where he grabs the, the rifle <laughs> and starts, you know, killing us. But he goes to his dresser and I'm watching him like a hawk. I'm just, I'm keeping an eye on him, watching his hands, watching what he's doing. I'm thinking he could go for a knife. 
I don't know what's on his dresser, but he grabs a pencil and a piece of paper. Then he walks back out to the, the living room and sits down and he starts writing something out. And he's like, I have these voices in my head. It's like they're, they're deep voices, you know, these really deep voices and they're all chanting something in unison. And he's like, I can't tell what it is. It it sounds like it's Italian or or something. And, and so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, is it Latin? So I, I asked him a question in Latin and he's like, I have no idea what you're saying. I just, I hear the voices. And so he writes out what these voices are saying. And I think there was only like one or two letters misspelled, but it translated to this one's ours priest saying like, you know, I'm they're talking to me saying this one's ours, leave him alone. He's so far gone. You can't get him anymore. And I'm reading this and I'm like, <laughs> pack it up guys. It's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> we, we pretty much, yeah, we pretty much ended at that point because, <clears throat> Um, he didn't speak after, Latin at all. After cleansing the home, after giving him a blessing, um, after we took, all this, we took pictures and sent it to Brandy, yeah. and she's like, "It's still there." And yeah, we're there's just like, there's not a damn thing we can do. There's orbs in the air that you can visually see in the photographs that we're taking. There's nothing that's getting done. And I think I think as we were leaving, like I guess the guy kept calling Castle, calling yeah. you guys, and we're just like, "Don't answer the phone." I guess yeah. he finally did, and he's like, uh, "You left your holy water here," and he's like, "Keep it." Yeah, it's your, <laughs> we're it's not yours. coming back. Yeah, just keep it. But yeah, that was that was a, a crazy, crazy night, and it's one of the experiences uh, for residential investigation that stands out in my mind because of the potential for danger that we were putting ourselves in uh, unknowingly. I mean, it's one thing to know kind of a little bit of background and and feel like, no, I'm going to take a pass on this one. But we didn't know. We were actually thinking we're going to go there. We're going to help this family. They're a young couple. They're reaching out for help. But as we started to kind of peel the layers of this onion and get more and more to the core of what the problem was and what's going on there, we were like, it's you can try to put a Band-Aid on it, but the moment we leave, that Band-Aid's coming off and whatever – if, if anything, we got out of the house, it's coming right back in. Well, like I, said, I watched the news for like two weeks straight after that investigation uh-huh. looking for a murder-suicide in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, we we were just convinced that it was going to happen. I still don't know what happened to him. I don't either. But, uh, yeah, he was so far gone with uh, with playing with Ouija boards and all that stuff that um, the, the, the spirits had him. And, you know, that was the... That was the the final pin, the linchpin, where you know he wrote out phonetically what these guttural voices are chanting in his head over and over, saying, you know, this one's ours, priest. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's like the nuts. yeah. All right, it's time to go, guys. So um, there's two more, two more that I can think of. Yeah, uh, that you and I were both involved in, and so was Peaches. Okay, uh, she's actually texting me and, and telling me to tell these stories. Was it the the other time at Fort Douglas where? Uh, no, this. Uh, this is uh there was one at a residential in the Orem Provo area. Okay. It involved horses. That all involved horses. Okay, yes, I remember that. And then there was the Saltair. Saltair. Yes, I remember the Saltair as well. Um, you remember the Saltair. Because she left you a little uh, little souvenir that night. Yeah. <laughs> um so we we did a residential in uh-huh. the Orem Provo area. There was Oh uh, feel free to jump in anytime on your podcast too. I feel like you're just sitting there in silence. So I'm just he's just like I don't I'm think listening. he's heard some of these stories. Okay, no, cool. I'm, I've heard some of them. I've heard some of them before. I just, I just feel like, you know, I'm 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 hogging the limelight here. Well, that's yeah. what the whole episode's about. So. This is this is your episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's my episode. It's my time <laughs> to shine. But I remember I remember we went on the one residential. The the daughter was having issues. I uh, was constantly in and out of the hospital. 
and there's just other things going on. But the the one incident that I that stands out the most to me is when you and I and and, and Brandy were standing at the end of the hallway. Um, you were you had your back to like the bathroom. Um, yes, I think. She was standing in the doorway to she the bedroom. She was standing in the doorway for and the I daughter's think I was, bedroom. I think I was behind her. I think or you were. You were and recording. I have all of this. I have this all on film. You were recording the the, the inside the house part, not the outside stuff. I don't and have you that, could but, just see but uh, you her were, facial you were, expression yeah, changed. You were doing the investigation. Uh-huh. You were talking, and uh, I just looked over and I'm like, "Brandy, say <clears> something." <throat> yeah. And that's when it clicked with you that something just wasn't yeah. right. And she just she did not look like herself at all. You could tell that. From looking in her eyes, that wasn't her anymore. It was something else that was there, and it took it took a couple minutes for us to get her back. Well, but I, I think you that, tried pulling her out of the room. I got uh-huh. behind her, and I think I was trying to push her out of the room. Yeah, and she just would not budge. And then I think I, think I, I eventually I picked her up and I carried her into the living room. And I don't know if it was that same night or another time at that same residence where we went out into their pasture. It was the same night. And that's where again she had the same sort of experience where something took over her. And when she did, a nearby horse started going crazy. I, I still remember that night because like, um, so the after, torn pants. after we kind of, yeah, the torn pants, <laughs> that was, that was Mark's. Mark, um, Mark uh, torn pants. We jumped over a fence and realized we could have just walked around. Yeah. Yeah. But and Mark jumped the fence, snagged his pants and ripped a big old I think we hole in his crotch and his <laughs> rear. <laughs> I think we determined that there was a, a portal in the field nearby that was yeah. causing some of this activity. Yep. So we went and to we, close she it. She was trying to close it. I remember we were all down on the ground. And we were, yep. we all had our hands on it and we were pushing our energy, trying to force this thing closed. Yeah. And I remember like, I was just pushing like there, like I was trying to dig a hole to China. And, um, usually what Brandy would do when we were closing a portal, she'd give us a thumbs up, thumb down, whether or not it worked. And, and I remember I'm, I was pushing on the, the ground and, and the three of you stood up and, and she was mm-hmm. well, four, I guess four of you stood up and I'm still pushing on the ground. And. Uh, you guys asked if, if, uh, it worked and she just stood there. And I remember I, at this point I'm, I'm, I'm standing on one side of her and you're standing on the other side and I go to put my hand on her shoulder and she brushes it off. Yeah. And then you reach for her yeah. and she did the same to you and yeah. then she took off running. Yeah. And we had to, it took all of us, I think to wrestle her. I think Mark's the one that finally tackled her and then yep. it took the three of us to hold her down to hold her down. gave her the blessing. Yeah, and, and how much do you weigh, Brandy? Like a buck ten, maybe? Ninety eight? Ninety eight, yeah, ninety eight pounds less than one twelve One twelve. And then, you know, going up against three guys that are two hundred plus. I'm two fifty five. You're probably about what two eighty, and then Castle's about two fifty, two sixty as well, and Mark's yeah. probably close to three hundred. Yeah, at the time and the I was four of us trying to wrestle with one hundred twelve pound, you know, five foot two English girl. But do you remember? Do you remember the smell? Yeah. Do you remember how much it smelled like sulfur? Yeah, it smelled bad. And there was it was it just it came out of nowhere. Uh huh. Because you then, guys were squeezing brandy, just farting on you guys. <laughs> Well, and there was the there were the, the two horses. We're rolling around in the yeah the, the horse squeezing the shit out of it. Rolling around in a few of the the horse biscuits. <laughs> Stepped in a patty there. No horse horse apples. That's what they call them. Horse apples. But yeah, it just the, the horses were like the horses they were, were like trying crazy. to jump over the fence. Yeah, they I mean, was, they were calm, but then they just started like running back and forth in their their stall, and it was like a ten foot, twelve foot stall, and they were just running back and forth, and it was barely long enough for them to like take a couple steps and then turn around, and then double back and stuff. But they were just going crazy, going back and but forth. But as soon as the as soon as the blessing was done, mm-hmm. 
Um, she kind of felt like a rag doll, and the horses calmed right down. Yep. The smell went away. Yep. It was um, one of the most trippiest experiences I think we've had. Yeah. But that wasn't the first time we've had a tackle to the ground. <clears throat> so, yeah, you also mentioned uh, Saltaire as well. And uh, we went out there investigating one night, and uh, it was in a room in the Saltaire. I think it was like a, a kind of like a green room where like the the performers can kind of kick back before the show, but couches, yeah, a couple couches, but instead of being green, instead of being comforting, it's covered with mirrors. There's mirrors everywhere. But this is on the second floor too. On the second floor. Yeah. Uh, so we're sitting in there and, uh, we're, we're doing our thing. And, and at one point I, I, you, it's more personal to you, I think. So, you know, I know. So I remember I had my camera in the corner of the Uh room and there's certain type of spirits that don't like to be filmed. And this, this one particular spirit, like I pretty much had the entire room covered with my camera and it found, the one little tiny spot behind the camera that it could stand. That's right. I so remember it, that. it was in like a little alcove closet area. And uh, I remember we're sitting there doing our investigation. She's sitting in a, a chair right mm-hmm. next to the door. Right next to you. Which is, well, I was on the other side of the room. So I think it was closer to you or to Castle. She was but, she was to my left, but she was sitting about where you were in but position she to was, me. She was right and then next you to would the, have been standing where she is right now. She's right next to the open yeah. door, which is right next to the door that goes to the balcony. Uh-huh. Um, but and you sat down next to her or something? No, I, I, I looked in the mirror, and I I looked where she was sitting, uh-huh. and I, I can never remember the name of the character from um, The Ring, but the the little girl that girl. comes out uh-huh. that, that kills the, people. The hair the black hair comes out of the well. So she has short... Come on, you're an anime guy. Come on, I can't Dale. remember the damn name. It's driving me crazy, too. <laughs> I, I think it starts it's, with an M. It, it starts with an S, actually. Oh, um, Samara. Samara, yes. There you go. So... Had the um, M in it. I <laughs> looked, we, just, we just made all the anime geeks happy listening, so... <laughs> so I looked in the mirror, and I saw what looked like Samara sitting where Brandy was sitting. Yeah. With the black hair. Like, her hair is brown. Um, black hair, and her hair is probably about... At, that, at this time, it was probably about ear length. It wasn't very long. And, and this was like long black hair covering her face yeah, all the way down. And, um, I just, I didn't see her and I'm like, Brandy, are you okay? And I think that's when I think you reached over to grab her and, uh, and you had shorts on and she first grabbed and only your time leg I wore shorts on an investigation and she scratched and it was, it was, it was, it was cause three, I got, I got behind her. Marks. Yeah. I got behind her and I put her in like a bear hug and I sat down and I had her sitting in my uh-huh. lap and she just kind of. Leaned over and with each hand, grabbed both of my legs and just started at my ankles yep. and worked her way up to my knees until I couldn't take the pain anymore and let her go. Yeah. I think that's when she ran to you. Yeah. Or ran towards you and you had to. And this is, this is all, I mean, how do you feel hearing about this? Cause this is all black time to you. You don't actually remember this, do you? Yeah, I get different versions from different people. You get different versions? I get, Annie's version is the most accurate. Uh huh. Cause she was with you and she saw it. Okay. Wow. Well, and see, both. So she can't interact. The, but, the incident in this house and this one, I might have on video somewhere. I'd have to go back and look at all my. But stuff. also at this time, I remember Brandy was also getting a lot, or she was sending out a lot of text messages that were in Latin, and she was having a lot of uh, blackout moments. Uh, we were using an app called Marco Polo, where it's a you know video FaceTiming message type stuff and there would be times where we would get video messages and it'd just be her staring at the camera you know kind of with the weird look in her eyes kind of 
you know, moving her head back and forth a little bit, like trying to figure out who's watching or knowing who's watching. Do you remember when she drew the symbols on her mirror with her lipstick? Yes. Um, yeah, I showed it to her and she's like, I don't remember any of this, but yeah, we would, we would get, uh, text messages sent from her that were in Latin and she would have no memory, no recollection of them being sent. At all. One of the ones she sent while I was actually on my way to her house to pick her up to yeah. hang out. Well, what was it that we, that we stirred up that kind of, cause I remember it was, it was a huge negative entity. We called him Larry. Larry. That's right. That from Zion bank. It was all because of Larry. Well, it was also Cleve's house. Was this it Cleve? We were dealing with Cleve. Okay. Was it Cleve? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was I'm Zion not- bank. It was both. He was at both places. Dude, and his, I have... His spirit was inhabiting both places. I have that photo on my phone of the uh, closed uh, circuit TV camera that Cleve had in his home where... And I'll show you guys, too, where he's... Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there, and uh, you can see an entity to my left, and you can make out, like, these demonic almond-shaped eyes with uh, fangs and an open mouth and you can see little horns and it's looking at me like it's pissed off. And I, I, of course, you know, I can't see anything there We're we were in his basement and, uh, there was, there was a cement floor and we had all of our meters, all of our K2 meters in the middle of this floor and everything's just going crazy. I mean, the, the meters are going off and, uh, and Brandy was there. I, no, I think it was uh Brandy B. Right. Or, no, you were there too. They were, they were both there. They were both, both the there, and they were talking about how all these. I think Caden was there too. All these spirits are like jumping in and out. It's like you know Grand Central Station with like you know all kinds of crap coming in, coming out, and that's why all of the 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 meters were going off. But I think you even described it as like it looks like a chasm into a fire pit where all of these dark creatures are are coming out of and. And so, I mean, we were, we, we closed the portal and it's like, I think, I think we did close the portal. We did. And as soon as we did, it's like all the activity on the K2 meters died, but I'll have to show you guys this photo and you can post it up on the uh, the website if you want to, I'll email it to you guys, but you can see in this closed circuit TV camera still, I'm standing there. You can see it's, it's, it's from my right side where I'm looking kind of slightly down and it's a black and white, but you can clearly see this negative demonic entity's face and it's making this just this scowling hateful look at me and you can see its fangs you can see its horns and its almond shaped eyes and it's looking at me like it's pissed off like get the fuck out of here you know <laughs> so that was creepy looking it was yeah i'll find it but uh yeah that was that was a really good investigation cleve always had a ton of activity too uh, yeah, he had stuff going on for like 20 years before uh-huh. we kind of stepped in. And it took us a couple of years to, I think, finally calm everything down. But we were able to help him out and, and get rid of what was bothering him. And we found that there was a lot of object attachments that that no matter how much we cleanse the house, as long as those objects were in the house. Here you go. Uh, I'll, I'll send that to you later if you want to post that to the, the website. But that's the photo that I was telling you about. To with... me, it looks more like just an old man. Yeah, I mean, you can see the one eye, the nose, the mouth, but he doesn't yeah, look there, happy. There wasn't, looks like there a wasn't profile. anyone. Yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't anyone there though. Right. Yeah, you could tell that it's it's, it's not a physical person. It's, yeah, there. it's translucent, but Very. you can you can kind of make out. I could see the profile of an old man in a white shirt with a collar. See, now I can I can see that too. And like an overcoat. What I see though are the two almond eyes right there, the nose and the mouth, 
and I can almost make out like the horns on the top of his head. So, and to me, what I'm seeing that's the eye, uh-huh. the nose, yep. the mouth, and I see that and too it's the now. Profile, and then the oh shirt, yeah, the shirt with the collar open. Oh my goodness! Open, and then an overcoat. Like I totally see that now. So you're seeing the side profile. Of yeah, it. I totally see that. But now. not like a negative entity. But that that could. Oh my gosh! That couldn't be someone standing there, is it? That isn't someone physical. No, that's not someone physical. That's not a physical person. Okay, but no, that's because the energy, profile. the energy off of that doesn't yeah. feel human. You can, you or, can. I mean, not, not. It looks demonic, but then when you see it as a side profile, oh yeah. I can that's see like that too now. It's like that. Profile. It's like that. That picture. You can still like, see the horns on its head. It's like. That's do you see? And you can still see like the sunken eye, but you only see it's from a side profile view. It's it's kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, I picture. see that it's now. Like, totally. You, you know those like those optical uh-huh. pictures. Like, do you the, see the rabbit or the duck or whatever? the old woman <laughs> and the young girl? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, Crap! Now I see both of them. I see the one where he's looking at me, and I can see the side profile too. The side profile with, looks wow. very pronounced. It's uh, well. That's the only thing I can. see. I'll send this to you. <laughs> let's put this up if yeah, you can, yeah. and yeah, we'll let's, put it let's on our Facebook. Page. Let's see what uh, other Debate people have time. to say about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you guys think? Let us know what you guys think. So go back to the UFO. You never. Oh got yeah, back yeah, to yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. So um. You guys talk about everything on the show, yeah. don't you? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, have yeah, cryptozoic and and UFOs and Bigfoot and and paranormal and all that stuff. So, uh, when I was a kid, uh, we used to go backpacking into the Uinta Mountains mm-hmm. here in northeastern Utah, and uh, there's a lake that we go to. It takes about two days to hike into it. You're going up in elevation, and then you know we'd spend like four or five days fishing, and then a day to hike out. Uh, but my dad, uh, when he was in his early twenties, he went up once by himself and, uh, because, you know, he wanted to go fishing and he, he had free time on his hands. So he's like, I'm going to take a, a week off and I'm just going to hike up by myself and, and go fishing and then hike out with a bunch of fish. And so he camped, uh, the first, I think it was the second night. Uh, there's certain spots that we we'd find along the way that were designated camp spots. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I, I knew exactly where he camped, and it was called the uh, the Chain Lakes. And so he's he decided, you know, he had his tent, but he decided that night he's going to pull his sleeping bag out and uh, look up at the stars and kind of fall asleep under the stars. So as he's laying there looking up at the sky, um, a bright light just appeared. And it wasn't over him, but kind of in the, the valley. It was kind of like a, I don't know, maybe a two, three-mile wide valley and across the valley, a, a bright light light appeared, and it would shine for a second and then go off, and without any kind of noise, move to another grid and shine a light, almost like it was taking large photographs and just kind of zigzagging back and forth in a grid-like pattern to kind of get photos or shine lights on anything in that square in that grid and you know and it, it made its way over him too so i mean he stood underneath the light for one moment too and he didn't have any kind of blackout moment but he he was a, a ufo skeptic he doesn't believe as a ufo he thinks it was something maybe military he thinks that maybe it was some sort of experimental weather balloon but the uinta basin is also the uh, uh the spot where the the skywalker ranch is located and i'm sure with like the recent uh, travel channel uh, show that they've had about the Skywalker Ranch. A lot of people I mean, know about uh, that. Skinwalker. A little bit, Skin, maybe. Skinwalker. Yes. Skywalker. Skinwalker. Thank you. Sorry. Skinwalker Ranch. 
completely different from Skywalker Ranch. Yeah, no, no. Skinwalker Ranch is there in the the Uinta Basin where we used to backpack, and so uh, Skinwalker Ranch they're synonymous with a lot of paranormal activity as well, a lot of UFO sightings in that area, a lot of uh, Skinwalkers, which is hence where they get the name. Um, animal mutilations, uh, uh, ghosts, apparitions, stuff like that. So a lot of paranormal activity to begin with in that you in a basin. And I didn't realize until just the last few years that Skinwalker Ranch, bless you, <coughs> Skinwalker Ranch is actually located, <coughs> bless you again, uh, it's actually located in that same you into basin where we used to go backpacking. So for him to tell me the story, you know, at the time when I first heard it, and he only told it to me like once or twice, but uh, it, like I said, it made no noise at all, and it was just a light that just came out and kind of in a grid-like pattern went back and forth and took photos, and then it was gone. And he just wrote it off as you know, just nothing. But uh, yeah, there's something that happened to him, and and of course, you know, he's by himself in the the mountains, so who's gonna believe him? And you only sound like a crazy guy if you start going around. I saw you a fool. Okay, there, Pappy, go drink that moonshine some more. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's one of the places I wouldn't mind going to is kind of investigating the Skinwalker Ranch. Not the Skywalker Ranch, the yeah. Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going to Skinwalker Ranch either. Yeah, that'd be a lot Skywalker? of Skywalker? Yep, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, too, I thought Skinwalker Ranch was in western Utah, like out past Tooele and Grantsville, but it's actually in the Winnebago Basin, and I didn't realize that it's until recently. It's more like by like Duchesne. And uh-huh, and that's exactly where we that. used to go backpacking is you'd, you'd head on a road, north of Duchesne that would take you up into the the Uinta Wilderness, the Uinta Basin, then you'd park your car at the same spot and you'd start your 20 mile, you know, backpack hike uphill to the the fishing spot and then you'd hike out and yeah, that was all right there in the Uinta Basin. All right on, man. Was that any any other stories? Oh, there's so so many stories. Oh, so um, many. I I don't think we can fit them all in <laughs> one know. episode. So I do know that uh, we will most likely have Lurch on again. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll he, most likely. He'll, he'll be a regular guest on the show. Whenever he uh, has a subject he really wants to talk about or if he's like got more that. stories he wants to share, Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, <clears throat> he'll just hit us up and let us know. So um, he'll be a regular on the show. Cool. Not like a, he won't be here every episode, but he'll be a regular guest host. Yes. Uh, whenever he, he's got the time and wants to be Shucks. on the show. Shucks. Um, <laughs> so I know that now that you're, you're doing uh art yes you're an artist uh, you do a lot of work for uh tops yeah and stuff like that if you want to you want to pitch your business can I, can I give myself a yeah. uh, give yourself a, some a self plug give yourself some self-plug love time <clears throat> all right so uh for for anyone that that may not know about garbage pill kids garbage pill kids was a trading card set that came out in the 80s and there's a, a parody of cabbage patch kids which you know if you for you darn young millennial youngins you know it was it was a toy that came out in the 80s a doll and then Tops, the trading card company, they started this parody called Garbage Pill Kids. And, and it, it boom day was, you know, 84, 85 to 88. And then and it kind of went underground for awful movie. Went, under, <laughs> yeah, went underground for a number of years, but it, it came back a few years ago. And uh, I do freelance artwork for Tops and for a few other trading card companies where uh, they contact me they send out blank cards i color them with garbage pill kids i draw stuff on them and mail them back and then they print out like thousands of base cards into packs but then they randomly insert those sketch card drawings by myself and 50 or 60 other tops artists into the packs that get randomly inserted and distributed around the world so 
I've been doing that for a few years now, and I really enjoy it. Um, I've got a, I've got an Instagram page. It's uh, at notthedroids1976 on Instagram. Um, I've got a Facebook page called Stimmy Kill Designs. I'm going to be changing the the Instagram page as well to that same that name and I've got a website that I'm I'm working on that I'll I'll plan on on releasing in July but um Instagram if you're on there um that's not at not the droids 1976 that's my my art gallery right there you can go and look at all the stuff that I've done for for tops doing garbage pill kids I'm also a Star Wars uh Lucasfilm approved artist I've done two Star Wars sets for tops I've worked on uh uh, most recently, Ultraman for Richard Parks uh, for another company, R.R. Parks. Um, he's done Mystery Science Theater 3000 trade cards. He's done uh, Zorro. He's done a few other sets. I've I've done work for other companies as well. But I've I'm really kind of trying to branch out and kind of trickle in some of my own artwork. You know, getting into the sketch card game and and getting my name out there and getting recognized by by people and, and collectors of of that hobby. Um, that's just kind of getting my foot in the door. But now that I'm getting people contacting me for artwork and not necessarily garbage pill kids, but other stuff as well, you know, drawing and painting skate decks and, and doing other artwork, you know, a, a buddy contacted me and wanted me to uh, do some watercolor arts for um, a, a, a trilogy of books that he had written, you know, he's a self-published author. And so he needed the, the covers for all three of the books. And I, I did some watercolors of, of ravens and skulls and stuff and, so I mean I've I've done a lot of really cool projects, but yeah, Tops is the company that I work for, and I draw a lot of garbage pill kids that are booger kids and, <laughs> and poop and and stuff like that, and it's a lot of fun. It's it's cartoony, but I do uh, photorealism as well. So again, Instagram at not the droids nineteen seventy six, uh, Facebook Stimmy Kill Designs Stimmy Kill with two L's, and uh, yeah. My name is Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. Ghosty out. Peace out, butterflies. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs>